0: Hello and welcome back to Herb's Acupuncture and Everything Else. It has been a minute. Uh, This is still herbalist (laughs) Emma, and today we have a very special guest who's near and dear to my heart. um, Holistic nutritionist, osteopath, and functional medicine practitioner, Nathan Olande. Did I say that correctly? Yes. 10 out of 10. Hello. Hello. So we're going to chat about all the things, and um, it's going to be a good one. We're mostly going to be chatting about how all of the beautiful things that Nathan does for the community and all the different modalities that he uses Go together in this episode. Alrighties. So I guess to start the background off, I tend to always say how I've met the person that's on the podcast. So I should preface with um, that I met Nathan when I. You know, arrived at my new job, and he's the the manager uh, of uh, the place that I work, and also just an amazing practitioner all around, which was obvious like within the first five minutes of meeting him. Um, so after kind of shadowing with Nathan for a couple months, it was like he has to be on the podcast. We have to talk about the things, and I personally haven't met a lot of people that do any functional medicine stuff. Honestly, haven't met a lot of people that do. So that was something about kind of how you operate that was very interesting and new to me yeah so I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about how you found this stuff this holistic medicine stuff
1: okay um well what had happened was I started walking away from my traditional Filipino cultural medicine roots and really started getting into the hardcore evidence-based medicine science and one day I was really really sick and I was in and out of the hospital for more than six months even to the point where I was accidentally given radioactive dye mm. because they confused my charts oh boy. with another patient and um, doctors didn't really have the solution they just said it was psychological they wanted to put me on an antidepressant mm. and so I ended up stumbling upon a naturopath Mm -hmm. through a family friend and because naturopathic medicine is not regulated in the province of Quebec this person had a naturopathic diploma but was not an actual naturopathic doctor Mm. so they prescribed a lot of homeopathics and supplements and I started feeling better but the moment I stopped taking those supplements I felt like a lot of my symptoms were creeping and crawling back Mm. and so they didn't really focus on the nutrition and the lifestyle changes and having properly layered protocols Mm -hmm. And so um, after working with that practitioner who got me on the right track and at least stopped some of the suffering that I was going through um, that led me into Google Scholar Mm -hmm. and looking into nutrition research and all that and Um, just trying to find a better way and improving my diet and lifestyle which made more of the long-term overall changes in my health Mm -hmm. and that's how I got into this thing
0: amazing yeah and I think it's 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 an important piece to point out I mean this is like a slight tangent but that even if it's supplements or herbs or homeopathy or whatever it is that you're taking Mm -hmm. if you're just taking it and then the symptoms come back it's not solving the problem yes. right so the yes. the holistic view is super important and is that why you were like yes nutrition is where I need to go
1: yeah so um I really started getting it getting into it at the age of like 16 like mm-hmm. so 14 15 16 is when I started doing a lot of research and 16 was the year where I was Deep into the shits, mm. and um, literally
0: or metaphorically, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, gut microbiome, man, it's bad. Um, and so I also started working at a health food store, um, and I just I remember I was helping a bunch of clients and customers, and I was approached by a holistic nutritionist who walked into the, the store, and she said, "You know, you're really knowledgeable. You know, you can." You can get paid for this. Mm. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mm. And that's when I decided to, uh, as I was going through high school, to take holistic nutrition when I was done in my program. That's amazing.
0: That was early then for you. Oh, that was yes. like the first thing you did out of high school. It was like yes. out of the gate, I'm going to do this. I think that explains why your knowledge is so bang on and like <laughs> intensely memor like I don't understand how you memorize the things you memorize. The the memory on this human being is amazing. And I wonder if maybe that's because you started so young and the brain was so moldable and it was just like but Yeah, soak up all the info. So, I guess then my follow up question would be what kind of made you after nutrition school, which is th- three years? Is it four years?
1: Oh, holistic nutrition is only a year program.
0: Really? No yeah. way. Is that across the board all programs?
1: For the most part, yes. That's There's so only waggy. one school in Canada for holistic nutrition that has a three year program with clinical internship. Yeah. And that's in Victoria, BC.
0: Really? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, okay. I did not know that. Yeah. I thought they were, like, long programs. But, I mean, okay, so after that, what made you want to continue with adding things to your toolkit, specifically osteopathy and functional medicine stuff?
1: So, that naturopath that I saw when I was sick was also an osteopath. Mm. And during this time in my life, I wasn't the only one that was sick. It Mm. was... My mother and my fa- and my father. Um, and so I remember being dropped off with my mom to the children's hospital in Montreal, St. Justin's, mm. and my dad running to the hospital next door Aww. because he was thinking of was having a heart attack when it was just right. myopathy associated from taking a statin medication, mm. which we had no idea was a side effect at that time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, my dad was now on um, workers compensation Um, he had a really tough time with his back and so this osteopath helped rehabilitate my father and Mm. i grew up with you know different modalities of acupressure and reflexology and Mm. massage and traditional filipino massage and physiotherapy and chiropractic and a lot of these family friends that had helped my father they would show me how to do some of these techniques or these things to help alleviate his pain and mm-hmm. so even at a very young age around like the age of four I remember starting my informal <laughs> education of right. bodywork mm-hmm. and osteopathy after my father was rehabilitated and we moved to Edmonton was something that was a bit forgotten mm-hmm. um, until I remember seeing one patient whose Um, stool elastase, which is an enzyme marker for pancreatic function, Mm. was um, just very insufficient. Mm. And we had tried the regular, you know, SIBO-based protocols of using um, antimicrobials and prokinetics and some probiotics and digestive enzymes and bitters and this and the other, and this patient had not been improving with Mm. their health. And it was an, only until they saw an osteopath that kind of mm. did some visceral mm. manipulations that helped make the changes. And this was because a patient, that patient was in a car accident and that car accident where she hit, her, her abdomen hit the, the steering wheel mm. shifted some of where her oh, organs may have been. Wow. And so the moment she started that visceral work, we started to notice changes in her symptoms And that's when I started to remember osteopathy again Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to just do you know the mobilizations or the manipulations like a chiropractor I didn't just want to do the stretches like a physio I didn't want to just rub people down with oil (laughs) like a massage therapist yeah Um, acupuncture in Chinese medicine is (laughs) it's a whole new level of thinking that I just, it didn't come natural to me. Didn't seem like where you were at. No. So that's where I stumbled upon osteopathy and how it was very holistic Mm -hmm. and it was very complete and it covered everything from viscera to craniosacral to your regular musculoskeletal stuff. Mm -hmm. It was just the complete picture for me. And I want to be able to help my patients both internally and externally. Mm -hmm. And having done a lot of the external work, from starting from the age of four, so to say, mm-hmm. um, it was just a perfect fit for me.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause I feel like with, I mean, having body work as a part of the, uh, as a part of a practice is amazing. I think to just, yeah, be the most holistic practitioner you can be. And I think a lot of people don't actually know what osteopathy even is. Like what well, I, I only recently learned it. Like I knew what Cairo was before osteopathy. I think I knew, like, obviously knew about massage, mm-hmm. knew about acupuncture, so osteopathy is kind of like almost like a little hidden gem in the alternative health community. Oh, I okay. think, anyway, because yes. I know a lot of people, at least the in the herbal sphere, yes. might not know what an osteopath is. Okay. Yeah. What? How would you define it if you had to, like, kind of sum up? I know you kind of did already, but... Uh,
1: yeah, so I think osteopaths, um, so they're actually the originators and out of that was birthed chiropractic Mm. um the father of osteopathy though believed that a lot of the life force and the energy and the healing mechanisms were in the blood Mm. whereas doctor of chiropractic was like no it's in the spinal nerves and Mm. and all
0: that stuff super cool
1: yeah um but i would say osteopathy is just like any You know, complementary medical practice that they believe, you know, the body can heal itself. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a few things that they believe, like structure dictates function, so Mm -hmm. the anatomy dictates the physiology. Um, But overall, how I would describe it is it's a very holistic modality Mm -hmm. that looks at the body as a whole and not just, let's say, the spinal nerves or the muscles or
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the, the cerebrospinal fluid or the blood flow or the lymph. Mm-hmm. We look at all of it as one congruent being mm-hmm. and how it operates and works together.
0: Which is so good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I've personally had some of Nathan's osteopathy. and It's great. Like, my back doesn't hurt anymore as much as it used to, and that's fantastic. Um, and so why, then, the functional medicine piece?
1: So, I'm just going to say this as a disclaimer. I have never taken any functional medicine courses. (laughs) Right. The reason why I say I practice functional medicine is because it is what I like to call the methodology behind my madness. Mm Okay. Functional medicine to me, some people will define it as a practitioner who orders a cajillion bunch Mm. of lab tests. Other people who... You know define functional medicine say that they did a course in it and that's what, mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. they practice it i think the real nature of functional medicine is using a systems biology approach into understanding and differentiating between the roots and the, the root cause versus the symptoms mm-hmm. um and so when i'm you know when i'm saying i'm practicing functional medicine i'm looking at a person's food diet and lifestyle gut health, mitochondrial function, mm-hmm. inflammation, oxidative stress, um, their, you know, environmental toxins, some of their genetics, and I'm taking basically all of these things into consideration mm-hmm. and addressing them for a patient from the root to the symptoms. So those are the, I guess, for me, the blah blah blahs. Mm-hmm. They're the. Um... <laughs> they're the,
0: like like the nuts and bolts of. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're they're the systems biology part that I look at yeah. to determining what the root causes and the symptoms are. Mm-hmm. To the symptoms.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that, and I think like functional medicine can be a bit polarizing because, like you said, there's not really like one definition of functional medicine or like different practitioners define it and practice it differently yes. so I've talked to some people that are like oh I can't stand functional medicine because it's so expensive or like the tests are expensive but then yes. you meet someone like you and the methodology is there and it's amazing but it's also not super expensive like you're not like you know you're not sending them out for 20000 no. you know like it's just not because no. it's also is it accessible is it practical it can be right yeah exactly
1: it can be and I think Accessibility and practicality is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. You know, having Mm -hmm. parents who are chronically ill, um, who are also, you know, being economically disadvantaged, Mm -hmm. um, having accessible health care, or even family friends who took the time to help my dad and my Mm -hmm. mom and all that, was was very important. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't think you need to run... 5 billion tests to understand that a patient needs to eat more maybe prebiotic foods Mm -hmm, and probiotic mm -hmm, foods mm -hmm. or if that's not working maybe we need to use some antimicrobials if there Mm -hmm. are signs of an overgrowth Mm -hmm. if we do see some dysmotility associated with that we can add that to there Mm -hmm. Um, I mean even just taking regular standard labs and looking at them from a functional perspective Mm -hmm. is is really beneficial for us Canadian based clinicians because Um, a lot of those lab tests are free. So, you know, a lot of the times when I'm seeing a patient, I can get their blood results through their doctor, and seeing their lab results from a functional perspective already gives me a general really good idea as to what's happening, and Mm -hmm. I can address those symptoms without needing a $600 functional stool test Mm -hmm. or a $600 organic acid test Mm -hmm. or a $600... Um, Dutch tests Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. I mean those tools can be used and if it's if a patient can find it to be affordable and they want to do those testings Mm -hmm, mm I make sure that I can give them that option and I understand how those tests work and Mm -hmm. we can work with those results but it may not be as highly necessary as we deem it to be.
0: Mhm and just the fact that you have the base knowledge to interpret those results is more important than actually going and getting the tests. Yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 100%. And I think that's the really amazing part too like you said is in Canada at least we have a lot of freedom with going to get those tests that are, you know, covered under OHIP. And so but it's still interesting because you'll get a lot of people that come in with blood results or, di- you know, different test results that their doctors have deemed normal. And then having a, f- a practitioner that knows a little bit about functional med look at it again can actually be really helpful, right, to yes. interpret if it's actually functionally working. Yes. Yeah, very And
1: cool. so, I mean, even when it comes to standard labs, I mean, we, we've, we've had a discussion mm. about this, mm-hmm. but a lot of the times what will happen is we'll take what I don't even know what we define as an, a healthy population right and we'll take a healthy population of approximately 100 people draw their blood and depending upon the marker we're looking at either draw a standard bell curve or mm-hmm. a double bell curve whatever, right right see what the two standard deviations are and, yeah. and say well this must be healthy
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where mm-hmm.
1: some of the research may point otherwise yeah you know so I mean b12 in Canada it's ridiculous <laughs> right but it You know B twelve of greater than one hundred fifty. I think it's picomoles or nanomoles. Mm -hmm. I I forget, but greater than one hundred fifty is the standard units. Means that you're not B twelve deficient. When a lot of the studies are showing that actually some serum levels for actual B twelve deficiency should be either greater than six hundred or eight hundred. Oh my god. So we yeah. So that's nearly four or four point five times low on the Canadian typical standard reference range compared to what's actually being seen within the literature
0: yeah totally so. oh man that's bananas Whew.
1: and just as a side tangent if I may Yeah. even when we look at some of these functional tests like how much of it is actually clinically significant mm-hmm. and I'm gonna mention this and I'm probably gonna get shot <laughs> but I'm gonna do it anyways Um, So, an example of that would be, you know, food sensitivity testing, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? We, you know, will find different practitioners, and I'm not trying to beat them, Mm -hmm. but we'll use food sensitivities and we'll say, you're sensitive to these foods, eliminate from your diet, Mm -hmm. you should feel, you should be feeling better. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but a lot of the times when I'm seeing a patient in my practice, those food sensitivity tests don't make a difference. Mm-hmm. And then we also have to look back and say, okay, well, well then what's the methodology behind these tests? Mm-hmm. And so I call IgG the drag queen of antibodies to my patients.
0: <laughs> She's dramatic. highly dramatic, yes, yes.
1: overreactive. Yeah. And so what are we doing within an assay to prevent um,
0: like false positives and yeah, hyperreactivity yeah,
1: yeah. from happening? Yeah. So you take a food antigen, react it to the IgG antibody, and if it's very highly reactive, we can be getting some false positives or false mm. negatives associated there. Then when we look at the different types of IgG antibodies, a lot of the times people are using IgG4 and not a combination of different IgG mm. antibodies. And then secondly, when you're taking, for instance, meat. So let's say a piece of pork chop. Right. You know, I got a pork chop because I'm Filipino. Pigs <laughs> right. like the national animal. Um, <laughs> and so when they're taking that piece of pork and they're reacting it with the IgG antibody, are we looking at a cooked piece of pork mm. or a raw piece of pork? Which because totally then the different. protein structure changes when we yeah. add heat and whatnot. Yeah. But then also how you cook a piece of mm-hmm. meat or process those proteins also will change right. the protein structure. Right. So we don't know whether, a lot of the times, whether or not we're using uh, a combination of these IgG antibodies we also know that um, IgG is highly reactive, mm-hmm. and we also don't know how these proteins are being, you know, highly processed mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. way that might mimic those proteins being actually in the body. Mm-hmm. So, how do we verify or validify the the test that's being used from mm-hmm. a functional medicine perspective? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the research, I'm unfortunately, as you know, if you are very hardcore science based IgG food sensitivity testing is 50-50.
0: Right, which is a lot to, to base, you know what I mean? Because people get it done and then they're like, this is the gold standard, I can't eat any of these foods. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough.
1: So when it comes to these different functional tests, I mean, I had a patient who spent nearly $15,000... Oh my God. ...on functional tests. And Ugh. some of these tests had no clinical validity behind them. Right. So and that's why I say functional medicine is not... The amount of tests that you run or have yes. access to, it is the, the philosophy, it is the methodology behind yes. how you approach a patient clinical care.
0: Yeah, totally. Yep. One of uh one of the people that I was seeing for a while patient-wise had uh he went and did the same thing. Huge list like most legumes, most vegetables, most meat and he was like what do I eat? But he was also in such a highly reactive inflamed state when he took the test yes. that I was like how accurate is this? Because right now sure, your body's reacting to everything, but yes. your baseline shouldn't be that way, right? Yes. Yeah. So then
1: Yep. And, and so that's why, like, within functional medicine, the way I would approach even food sensitivities are, if there is some form of inflammatory process or even some form of dysbiosis taking place within the gut, mm-hmm. then why don't we correct that first mm-hmm. and heal for the most part? And then if you wanted to see what foods you may still be having some form of inflammatory reaction to, then maybe consider mm-hmm. a food sensitivity test. But there are even other food sensitivity tests that are on the market mm-hmm. that have better validity and better clinical um, science and information to back it up mm-hmm. versus a regular IgG food sensitivity test, mm-hmm. such as Alcat. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important for clinicians to, to, to understand even just proper, properly layering... A
0: protocol mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. which how, is one of the harder yeah. things to learn as a baby practitioner is layering your protocols 100 <laughs> because you have to also therefore anticipate like the phases the stages yep. you have to anticipate okay if this is my first wave of treatment what is and then what's the reaction i'm hoping to yep. get and then what do i do next and that's definitely something that not isn't taught but as someone that's a recent grad and still in in school I think that should be a bigger part of the training is how to make a long protocol, not a short protocol. Because we're really good at being like, okay, this is the problem. Let's fix it Mm -hmm. now. But then where are we in three months, six months? Or how long do you think it's going to take? Yes. Yeah. That's just, that's a tangent in and of itself. Yes. Um, (laughs) Oh, so we've kind of already touched on this, but like with like integration, if it's fair for me to say integration is a huge part of your practice, like Mm -hmm. integrating as much as possible in multiple ways. Why is integration so important to you?
1: What do you mean by integration? I
0: mean, I I think the original question was integration of different modalities. So important to you, but that could also extend to like accessibility and, um, Like affordability and different things like that. Like why is the integration of all of these different things so important?
1: So in terms of integration for, let's say, modalities or integrating different modalities, I think why it's important is because I think we've really lost touch in medicine when it comes to community healing. Mm -hmm. And um, we didn't have one doctor for all our problems mm-hmm. right we had a community mm-hmm. that helped establish that healing mm-hmm. and so you know even as um as a holistic nutritionist there may be things that i may be doing with a patient but maybe there are other things that i may not have access to mm-hmm. um and so referring off to a naturopath that can you know help carry out some of these other clinical treatments could be important mm-hmm. um let's talk about our relationship, <laughs> you know. I will have patients and, you know, my herbal botanical medicine um, is more... I'm, I'm more limited to understanding the pharmacological aspects. Mm-hmm. And I do have a basic understanding mm-hmm. of uh, the different types of herbs. And um, is it a nervine? Yeah. Is it a bitter? Yeah. Is it astringent? Is it this? Um, but when it comes to even how to properly use these herbs within their context Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i mean what i love is that you also add the whole traditional chinese Mm -hmm, medicine context mm -hmm, behind these herbs as mm -hmm, well mm -hmm. um is important because Mm -hmm. i may not have access to it and so Mm -hmm. i think if we you know took healing as a picture of seeing the patient in the center and clinicians coming together arm in arm surrounding Mm -hmm. that patient Mm -hmm. to help raise them back up Mm -hmm. to a state where they can be healthy healthy and striving and thriving individual Mm -hmm. then integrative with integrative medicine and integrating these different modalities plays a key role into my philosophy Mm -hmm. of health.
0: that's so beautiful that's so
1: beautiful
0: and can one of those practitioners also be a Western doctor yeah yeah there you go right yeah
1: I mean I remember meeting a, a, a naturopathic doctor and the medical doctor on staff, or the the clinic actually belongs to a medical doctor, mm. and because this medical doctor can only see patients at a particular levels of time, mm-hmm. and cannot, you know, recommend some of the herb supplements, nutrition, diet, mm-hmm. lifestyle stuff that they would typically do if they had a traditional functional medicine practice, so to say, mm-hmm. or integrated mm-hmm. medical practice. Um, this doctor literally has a naturopathic doctor on staff they will confer with each other and Mm. the naturopathic doctor will make their their notes of recommendations and the medical doctor will just sign off of it amazing um so the medical doctor is doing their part they're being compensated for Mm -hmm. and the naturopathic doctor is on staff and they're just working together so i think western medical community naturopathic doctors herbalists massage therapists, physiotherapists, mm-hmm. chiropractors, osteopaths, I think we can all come together. I think there's enough sick people in the world. Where, for sure,
0: for sure. Because yeah. I also think, too, I mean, like negative power dynamics, I find, like most people I think have this with their, I shouldn't say most people, some people have this with their primary care physician where they feel like they have that physician has all the answers and is the only person that's helping them and the only person they have to look to. So there's like a, not a codependency, but like mm-hmm. there's sometimes, or a, or a hierarchy and feeling like, I just have this one person that's going to fix my problems, and if he can't fix my problems, no one can fix me. Yes. And that's not a healthy dynamic where healing can't take place, right?
1: And I think that has to do with um, how colonialism Mm. has affected (laughs) our societal structures. Yes. Yes. You know? Um, So colonialism really points towards individualism as opposed to a communalism mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: w- yeah, Ain't just as a as sounds. a person of color we we see how colonialism says this is the one thing and the one answer mm-hmm. like
0: mm-hmm.
1: healthcare has to be this way mm-hmm. or capitalism is the only answer
0: mm-hmm. and right? it's not just this way but my way yes <laughs> the colonial yes. way yes yeah and
1: you have to learn it Yes, and we're going to retrain you and yes. educate you to believe and do all these things so,
0: yes, yeah, yeah totally. Then, this is kind of a another, like, tangent. I feel like the podcasts always just go where they go. The questions go out the window. Do you feel like you are a part of kind of, like, a counterculture movement?
1: I was actually thinking <laughs> about this the other day.
0: Okay.
1: And not really, like, maybe counterculture? I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think... I would like to think that instead of being counterculture, I'm... Like trimming the hedges so that something else can grow, mm. something else beautiful can grow, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, like the the branches to a vine, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta prune for it to, to develop and, and grow. Um, and so, I remember, you know, talking to a naturopathic doctor uh, colleague mm. about some of the issues that I was facing in my practice with, you know, our standard Western conventional mm-hmm. community. And they were telling me, well, sometimes you just got to operate within that system. Mm -hmm. And I had a really hard time digesting that, Mm -hmm. you know, like you have to make the change from within. And I think from a historical standpoint, whenever we've tried to make the change from within, nothing has changed. Yeah. And so it has taken revolutionaries Mm -hmm. to stand up and to call things out and to try to evolve and change the system and make it new as opposed to operating within it. I, I think, think there is. are things that we can learn from within the system, but we can always learn to, to make things new and, and nurture and flourish it. So mm-hmm. maybe if that makes me a counter revolutionary, I don't know it, no. or <laughs> I mean or however blah,
0: blah, blah. you feel is totally fine. I and
1: just feel all... like I'm a pruner.
0: Yeah, I like that. Pruning society. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It needs it. So there's that. Society needs pruning. Um so Yes, here's a question kind of going in that direction is, can you kind of elaborate on why you feel that this integrative approach is so important for the LGBTQ2A community? I think I got all the the guys in there.
1: All the peoples. All the peoples in there. LGBTQIA2S+. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Because in Canada, we also got our two-spirited people. Yes,
0: yes. Which I guess there's
1: also indigenous. Yeah, there are indigenous people in America. Oh, yeah. They're just forgotten, unfortunately. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Hashtag. We're not even going to go there. No. no <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, you know, being part of the LGBTQ community, I am a gay, queer, cis man myself. Mm-hmm. Um, although, we're going to put a question mark to the cis, but okay. we're, we're discovering yeah. things. Yeah. It's um, a process. Yes. Um, so this community faces higher rates of mental health conditions, Mm -hmm. higher rates of sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. higher rates of uh, suicidality Mm -hmm. associated with the mental health conditions. And um, there's just a lot of sadness and brokenness within this community. Yeah. And so a lot of the times I see these people or these patients and they want the best for their health and Mm -hmm. they go see medical doctor for things Mm -hmm. and some shit just doesn't get resolved
0: yeah yeah you know
1: yeah um an example I have is a a transgender patient you know it was a transgender male going to see their doctor and um, was really reacting to the testosterone Mm -hmm. and to the point where they were puking their bilirubin (sighs) levels were climbing up right and they did not want to stop their testosterone because they were like, I want to get to my fucking transition. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast. Yeah, it's
0: fine. It's fine. But, Hey! It's fine.
1: Um, and so, one of the things we put this patient on was saw palmetto because mm-hmm. what we were assuming, well, what I was assuming is that this patient wasn't going through the proper conversion of their mm-hmm. testosterone. Mm-hmm. And just by having a bit of saw palmetto into the mix they were able to overcome their symptoms mm-hmm. their their gilbert syndrome from the elevated right. bilirubin levels started to drop and they were able to withstand yeah. and continue with their their hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. you know i mean we have patients at our pharmacy who you know report of symptoms of fatigue or mm-hmm. tiredness who are you know hiv positive taking you know art or mm-hmm. antiretroviral therapy mm-hmm. And one of the things we know that antiretroviral therapy can cause that's quite consistent and really elaborate in the literature is mitochondrial dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And for some of our patients, we put them on general mitochondrial support mm-hmm. like acetyl l-carnitine and mm-hmm. coq ten and mm-hmm. pqq and Japanese knotwood that has trans resveratrol mm-hmm. and green tea catechins and this mm-hmm. stuff. And these patients get better and notice less side effects mm-hmm. and their glomerular filtration rate improves Mm -hmm. and their liver enzymes start to come down. So I think integrative medicine within the LGBTQ community is still not widely known because Mm -hmm. we still don't have many clinicians that are...
0: Savvy?
1: Yeah, that are (laughs) LGBTQIA2S plus savvy Mm -hmm. when it comes to...
0: Savvy. They're yes. not very savvy.
1: Yeah, so they're not very savvy. And so, um, yeah, so we don't have enough clinicians that are highly aware of an integrative medical approach mm-hmm. for a lot of the LGBTQ health-based issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting more queer or queer-affirming mm-hmm. clinicians mm-hmm. within this integrative medical field, I think, is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is really important.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I guess, too, being able to understand that A lot of people within that community experience a different standard of care
1: yes
0: in their regular interactions with Western medicine and that providing like as clinicians we need to step up and provide a higher standard of care understanding and empathy for people that are therefore being affected by this like colonialist yes medical system (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. even just working in this in this uh, pharmacy for the last couple months is just like already So much growth and learning just comes from being exposed to experiences that are different than your experience. Yes. And I think sometimes with alternative healthcare, there there are like um, economic boundaries sometimes where like a lot of the more functional med or some naturopaths are quite expensive. So the clientele that you're seeing is usually the upper middle class, mostly cisgendered or... Yes.
1: That and
0: white of, and white, and all of that, and just that's call it out the, for what call it in. is um, this
1: Filipino boys going there,
0: you know, yeah, so like that 's what we see, and then you think that that 's all there is, especially with practitioners that have spent their whole career just with that one community and that one subset of people, and then that 's a whole nother yes, yes, yeah, so I think that's important to keep in mind i 'm glad you bring it up as as practitioners that it 's our. I don't know if it's our job, but I would like to think it's part of our mm-hmm. job to not be an like allopathic Western colonialist practitioner of whatever you're practicing. Yes. Does that does that make sense? Yes. Okay.
1: And I think it's also really important. Um, one of the things that I I strive within my practice is like people will ask me if I am alternative, and mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm not substituting anything. Mm-hmm. I am complementary healthcare. Mm-hmm. Right. I am mm-hmm. here to. Work with your medical doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm here to work with your, your healthcare team, your, mm-hmm. your, your health village, if mm-hmm. we can call it that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think even if we were to make these social progressions toward having an integrated medical system, mm-hmm. I think we need to move away from using terms like alternative healthcare yeah, and move I know, towards yeah. collaborative, complementary healthcare. Yeah, as for sure, for sure. Our yeah, goal and objective. Because I'm going to tell you, if I fracture my femoral artery, or if yeah. I fall, fall off a roof, fracture, yeah. and tear my femoral artery, yep. I'm not going to an acupuncturist, honey. I'm going to the hospital. Yeah, go and get that surgery. I'm going to get the surgery, stuff. and I'm going <laughs> to get all that stuff.
0: Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah, they play a very important role, but not the whole picture. Yes. Yes.
1: And so when I think of healthcare, I think of... Hands coming together and shaking each other, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. hands, sh- you know, yeah, shaking hands. I like it. You know, mm-hmm. or a hug.
0: Yeah, right. A hug—that's a big part too. I mean, yeah. like, there's, we've—that's uh, a whole nother whole nother kettle of worms. But like the, <laughs> the um, the way that the medical system functions now is that you know there's no there's no hugging, there's no empathetic or like therapeutic touch. It's yes. just very like clinical, and that can be really triggering for people. And there's just there's so much in that yes. that as complementary healthcare practitioners, I think we get a little bit more wiggle room in, like, especially with body work, too. Like, yes. you can interact with the body in a positive, non-clinically aggressive yes. way. Yeah. 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 Super important, for sure. Awesome. Um. Yeah, I guess... I mean, my last question was going to be, like, what is your vision, if you have one, for medicine as a whole? And I feel like we did already touch on that.
1: Yeah. I mean... When I think about my vision or future of medicine, and I am reaching out to different healthcare practitioners, or trying to find healthcare practitioners who are on the same wavelength, mm-hmm. so to say, um, I think of there's this video of a of YouTube, and if you just type Canadian doctor Republican senator mm-hmm. as keywords, you'll okay. find that in the U S there was. Um, a hearing for their healthcare system, mm-hmm. and they invited uh, a Canadian doctor from actually Willem, um the Women's College Hospital. So Yay. I think it's Dr. Daniel Williamson. Okay. And, um, you know, this Republican senator was obviously berating her mm-hmm. about social healthcare system mm-hmm. or socialized healthcare system, mm-hmm. and she gave this analogy of running late to the whole meetings because there was only one, like. Entranceway with security, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there was a whole lineup of people. Yes, but they had a whole other area where people could have
0: mm-hmm. formed
1: another line, and there was also like a security machine yes. and all that stuff. And so, her point to the whole conversation or discussion is: when it comes to healthcare, it may not be about the amount of re- about of resources you have, mm-hmm. but how you organize those resources. Mm-hmm. And so going back to that analogy of that medical doctor that hired a naturopathic doctor Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, you know, that naturopathic doctor will put the recommendations and the medical doctor will just sign off of the chart as well. Mm -hmm. This is what the naturopath is recommending, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, I think by knowing what our key strengths and weaknesses are and how we can collaborate together Mm -hmm. and come together Mm -hmm. as a village, so to say, Mm Um, is my ideal vision of medicine, mm-hmm. right? So, yes, maybe you only have 15 dollars, 15 minutes, so to say, to see mm-hmm. your medical doctor. Mm-hmm. Let at least, you know, the, med- like, the medical doctor send you off to uh, a holistic nutritionist or a mm-hmm. naturopath or a herbalist and, you know, do that collaborative mm-hmm. type of medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I see the future of medicine is us learning to grow with each other mm-hmm. And grow in peace, and grow in hugging it out, and shaking mm-hmm. hands, and saying, "How can we help and support each other? And what can we, you know, reorganize within the system so mm-hmm. that patients can have affordable, accessible, and amazing integrative care. medical care." Ah, yeah,
0: totally. Amen to that. Oh my gosh. Um. Yes, that would be great. I think too that um. I don't even know what I was going to say. There was something. It's gone now. I'm blown <laughs> away by the vision. Uh, yeah, is there, are there any little pieces of advice you would give from your experience to practitioners that are practicing alternative, no, complementary <laughs> medicine? It's already, like, it's drilled into my head to say alternative, because people, I feel yes. like when I say complementary medicine, they're like, I don't know what that means.
1: But, but again, as, yeah. as being the, as being the pruners yes we of, have to. of yeah. society, mm-hmm. or being the pruners of this, this, Alternative medical culture that we have. Yeah. I think it's really important to, if we really want an integrative medical system, mm-hmm. we need to stop using polarized language yes. of, yes. I'm alternative and you don't need your centhrine, mm. your some <laughs> You know? Yeah. yeah. I think mean, we need, you know, like if a, you know, so I yeah. think we need to be the, the changers within the culture yes.
0: that says. We can have both. Yes, we, we can have, have all both. of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Are there any. Pieces of advice you would give to complementary healthcare practitioners on how to make their practice more inclusive and accessible to communities in need of that?
1: I'd say the first place to start is to really assess or address or think about the morals and the ethical the ethics and the principles and the philosophies that are behind your practice. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just have to be from a clinical standpoint, it could be from a personal standpoint mm-hmm. like the reason why you know I choose to have consultations under a hundred dollars mm-hmm. and you know try to provide people within like with the best integrated medical care possible mm-hmm. um, and be reasonable about it is because I believe in in, in social justice mm-hmm. and change mm-hmm. and that. Providing this type of medicine shouldn't just be for the upper Mm
0: -hmm. middle
1: white class citizens Mm -hmm. It should be accessible to all people Mm -hmm. and therefore to provide that accessibility. I need to change my practice from within Mm -hmm. and Initially when I started out um, And have having had you know your standard typical practice of charging 150 to 200 Mm dollars maybe even more an hour Mm -hmm. um and doing that i didn't feel satisfied yeah and it was the moment that i dug deep into my philosophies Mm -hmm. about what i believed in with my ethics and my Mm -hmm. social justice Mm -hmm. and all this that the other and did the work into blending that within how i can fit these things into my practice Mm -hmm. that's when um my practice started to grow Mm -hmm. and this Abundance started to take place Um, Mm -hmm. I mean I've just Started practicing again Since I was in school Mm -hmm. um, This past November Officially Mm -hmm. And my Clinical, the amount of patients that I'm Having is just continuing To grow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very organic, it's very Mm -hmm. word of mouth My website is really Dinky Mm -hmm. and (laughs) Gross and I'm not really much On social media But I think if you just put it out there to take care of people, the universe will do its job, Mm. God will do its job Mm. into providing that abundance towards you as well.
0: Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Nathan, for being here and giving us little, like, pearls of wisdom. I feel like we could keep going forever. Of course. Infinity. (laughs) And I think I would love to have you back to talk about, like, I had a question about, like, gut health. And I just feel like we need a whole episode of oh, that because yeah. this is not this is not gonna work I like if we to do it We
1: gotta talk about now. the shits. The we poops. gotta talk
0: about the poops. We touched on it briefly earlier in the podcast, but like that is one of the most I think complex systems of the body is it the most complex system. Like it's the I digestive it's, system.
1: That's yeah, it's. That, it's it takes like say time. the. You know when you're putting a tent and there's that pole in the middle yes. that pulls a tent up. Yeah. That's what I think of. Yeah, what I she's think
0: a big hole. Oh like it. yes,
1: she is.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Hashtag um, so, life. where can people find you to book with your amazing self, which I one hundred percent recommend doing, for any and all of the needs? But where can they find you?
1: Uh, they can find me here at Well and Good Pharmacy. Um, so I'm typically here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and then I'm seeing patients every Thursdays. Um, as my practice continues to grow, I'll be expanding my clinical days. Um, but yeah, if you ever need a friend or a person to talk to, mm-hmm. um, please stop by, and yeah, I'll, I'll be person. here. I try.
0: And your Instagram is Nate's Health Corner. Am I correct? I'm sorry, I can edit kind that. Out of, if you
1: want. <laughs> but even that Instagram has become more of personal. Instagram. A personal okay. music right type. Homage type thing as opposed to
0: like a health.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I'm working on. it. What
0: about it. the website?
1: The website. Can we tell
0: people about the website?
1: <laughs> we can link it.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Because it's too damn long.
0: Okay. That's it, it's
1: a it I since I started practicing. Um I have a very like it's a Wix site and yeah. so it has that it has
0: the Wix site. Wlah yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah.
1: blah 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 dot dot com slash blah 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 oh, blah blah
0: I know, it's so funny, even like my when I made the first email that I have for seeing patients, I have to change it because it's emma dot herbalconsults at gmail.com and I'm like that's too many letters. Yeah. And I hate it. <laughs> so I feel you. Yes. Cause then people don't want to type it. Yes. I will link it. That'll happen. <laughs> Thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to kind of, like, leave everybody with or anything that I've missed?
1: The only thing that comes to mind is that, again, if you are an integrative medical practitioner that's out there, um, just remember to be to, to be kind with yourself, to be patient with yourself, and... Um, also, be kind and good to your colleagues, mm-hmm. um, because if we're ever going to make a change and difference in the world, it's better if we have more voices than being a lone wolf.
0: Yeah, totally, or top dog. Yeah. I like this like animal analogy. Step away from <laughs>
1: colonialism, people. Yes.
0: Oh, beautiful! So yeah,
1: that's my last take. And if anybody's offended by that, I'm so sorry, sorry. I
0: don't know if anybody could be. It's too. <laughs> it's too nice. It's too inclusive. It's perfect. Um, oh my goodness! Yes, thank you so much, Nathan, for being on Herbs Acupuncture and everything else. And uh, we will see y'all. See y'all soon.
1: Thank you, Miss Emma. And if you want to see Miss Emma, she's also seeing patients here at Welling Good Pharmacy. This is a
0: true fact. I
1: advertise for you, sweetie. Ah,
0: <laughs> still scary. Still feel like there's so much. There's just like every new experience, there's tons to learn. But um, yeah, come by to Welling Good Pharmacy and see the people if you're local. And if not, we I think we both do phone consultations. Yeah. We both do distance consultations. So that's always an option. Yes. Yeah. All righties.